This episode of the React Podcast is brought to you by reacttraining.com. In-person, hands-on training for development teams from React community leaders and experts. Visit reacttraining.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the React Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Jackson, here with my co-host, Mr. Michael Chan. Hello, everyone. I was, I was waiting for the O there, because you said, like, hello, everybody. I was, I was, I was like, oh, what's he going to say? This is exciting. Um, and we are here with a very special guest, Ms. Shirley Wu. Hello, I'm Shirley. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Welcome to the React Podcast, Shirley. Uh, in case you are not familiar with Shirley's work, Shirley is an independent uh, software developer. She's uh, very talented. She's got a passion, a real passion for doing data viz stuff. So you may have seen her uh, at a conference uh, somewhere. She was at React Rally last year. Um, she was also at, um, there was a conference Oh, earlier this year, right? Surely you were in, in, in January, you spoke. Um, I was, so in January, I was at JSConf Asia in Singapore. That's right. That's um, right. They put us up in the Shangri-La and no I, way. yeah, I don't know what to do with life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're like everything else is just so blah. I was like, no, I, I, yeah, now I don't know what to do with normal hotels. <laughs> yeah, that's a real problem. Yeah, it's the, it's the worst. You don't want to. It's like once you like fly first class or something, you're like, what is this seat in the common people's area? Forget these people. Yeah, in in some ways, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm really grateful. <laughs> and they had a really great breakfast buffet with like eight different sections of food. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, what was the best thing? What was the what was the thing you were like, I this ruins breakfast for me? No. Oh, I mean, there wasn't any like specific dish. It was just the abundance of choice that uh, I don't think I've had this abundance of choice for breakfast ever. Well, the uh the React Rally people, I hope they're I hope they're paying attention here because <laughs> they're they're gonna have to like figure this out this year, right? <laughs> Shangri-La, yeah. Yeah. I don't know is if there's there? any Shangri-La in uh, in Utah. I don't. I don't know if there's <laughs> no. a, a Shangri-La in Utah. Clearly, they have to build one or move the conference. <laughs> yes, right. move the conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Shirley has done a, a ton with DataViz. You might have seen some of the projects that she has worked on um, in the past. Um, one of them that I thought was really cool is Data Sketches. Datasketch.es uh, is a website that uh, that Shirley uses to post a lot of her work online, and that's just kind of for for just for fun, I guess, right? Shirley? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much. Um, second, so it's actually a collaboration between my friend Nadi Bremer and I, um, where we basically wanted to have a project where we can kind of take different topics, find different data sets, um, design a visualization and code it. And the motivations behind that are like, we just want to have fun. So a lot of these are side projects. And, um, but also we want to use that as an opportunity to learn and expand our like design and technical, um, I guess, repertoire. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's maybe between the two of us, 20 something projects on there right now. And we're almost done with the project because it was supposed to be 12 per person. So after 12, you're just going to wrap it up then? Yeah. So um, the initial theme was that it was going to be 12 months of data visualizations. And um, I think a lot of people have noticed that it's been more than 12 months and um, we haven't quite, I haven't quite finished everything, but we're almost there. I really love this idea of kind of partnering with someone and um, having a theme and sticking to it and kind of finishing it out. How have you found that process? And do you recommend kind of having a partner in crime for for doing these types of things and finding that productivity? I most definitely recommend a partner in crime. I think it's been a really great experience, but with an asterisk and the asterisk being, it has to be someone that you really, really respect, that you really trust, that um, you can keep both, um, you can keep each other on track. So um, I've had um, attempts before on um, projects on this, like just kind of fun projects where things have fallen off the I guess the band is, is the metaphor things have fallen off the bandwagon. Um, um, is, no, that's not the metaphor, right? So I've had projects, side projects before with friends where um, one or either of us have eventually kind of just like drifted off and then the project has kind of died. Mm. And um, I think the collaboration with Naughty is really, really great because um she's super responsible. <laughs> so she keeps me on track. So if if you're not as responsible like me, find someone that's really re- responsible that you trust. Key takeaway right there from the React <laughs> podcast. You heard it first. If you are not responsible, if you are like a crazy, you know, creative type, you can't, you know, focus for, on anything for more than like five minutes, Find find somebody. Find somebody who's going to kick your butt into shape and make you finish the stuff that you. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? For me, that's that's Michael Chan here. He kicks my butt and keeps me in shape. Oh. I wish that was true, uh, but you're you're very you're very motivated, Michael. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, so so um, so Shirley, you and I first met, and I believe it was the first time you met Chan as well. Was uh, yeah. last year's React Rally 2017, where you gave an mm-hmm. awesome talk about using D3 in React, um, and you're planning on returning this year to do a follow up. Um, you 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 said that uh, when we were talking offline, you said that there were a couple of things that. Uh, well, first of all, maybe let's talk about what your talk was about last year. And yeah. then, uh, and then, uh, you know, some of the follow up that 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 you that you had uh, in response to it. So, using D three is you know using D three on its own. It's um, you know it's a very imperative API, right? You go in and you wrap these nodes and go draw this line or go and animate this thing, etc. And uh, you showed us a lot of uh, pretty cool examples last year of you know, using D3 in a React project that showed, I think, how the React model, how the component model uh, really helps to kind of conceal some of that imperative code. So now instead of, you know, just imperative methods, you're, you're actually concealing them. You're, you're concealing this work rather inside uh, React components so you can use components mm-hmm. to stitch together uh, you know, a, a D3 app, except the, the, so D3 is kind of underlying in these, these components. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Is that more or less? Um, you actually, you actually hit upon some points that I wanted to cover also in this year. So that's really, really great. Um, but yeah, so um, first of all, I had a really, really great time at React Rally last year, and it actually was my first React conference. So I didn't quite know what to expect, um, and it turned out to be really welcoming and really fun and warm. And the talk I gave there is kind of just like my experiences using React and D3 together over the years and best practice that I've like kind of tips and tricks that I've learned for myself. But the kind of core things um, from there was when someone should use React and D3 together. Um, And the thing that I wanted to get across is that D3 is this library that's really great for visualizations on the web. Um, and it's really great. It has a, like you said, it has a way of rendering to the DOM and that helps you with data updates um, and updating the DOM. But it also has a lot of, a lot of the library is also de- dedicated to calculating the data and translating that data into the screen space, into kind of what we need to draw these shapes on the screen. And so then um, the thing that I wanted to get across last year was, well, um, then when is the appropriate times to use D3 and React together? And the, the times that I've really found is um, when we want to make a highly interactive visualization, an application that's um, an application around a visualization that's highly interactive. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of the core of my talk last year. And, you know, D3 actually already has a lot of that, a lot of sort of interaction stuff already built in, right? I mean, uh, they, 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 they do stuff, you know, they, there, there is uh, rather, I should say D3 library code that has to do with, uh, user interactions and animating things, right? So it's, it's not yeah. like you would want to even do maybe everything uh, in React. There's a lot of stuff that you still want to just be doing in D3 to avoid duplicating a lot of what they've already done. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of interactions that's built into the D3 library, but it's interactions that are very specific to building out visualizations. So interactions such as um, being able to uh, brush over a um, a particular area of data points and being able to filter by that or being able to interact with that, um, being able to drag and pan. So things that are quite common in building out visualizations for the web, but perhaps not as much for building out websites. Um, and, inter- and, and like you mentioned, there are also parts that are to do more with animations. Um, but the, I guess the interactions I meant was more kind of the interaction between um, the visualization and kind of the, the surrounding, the important surrounding components um, that help, I guess, kind of help frame the visualization. So maybe if you need to have um, filters for the visualization, maybe you need drop downs, maybe you need um, like these kinds of non visualization elements that help you um, filter down or aggregate or basically interact with the data that maybe aren't interactions directly with the visualization itself. Yeah, they're not part of the visualization. They're just sort of like controls or filters. 
to yes, uh, and tweak the visualization. Yes, um, absolutely. And React, um, I found that React is really, really great at kind of helping me structure um, the architecture of the application such that thinking about those data updates, thinking about how tweaking this filter should affect the visualization, it makes that thought process a lot more intuitive. And that's what I really love about React and using React with D3. So is that is that kind of the uh, the uh, kind of gist of your talk for this year? Were you hoping to kind of follow more up on that uh, on that thought? Not at all, actually. <laughs> so that's that's kind of what I um, talked about last year. And actually, a lot of feedback afterwards was still um, it was um, people saying oh, that was really cool to be able to see the possibilities of what you can do with data visualization. But D3 itself kind of intimidates me a little bit. And they'll say like, you know, and these are like, these are really smart, experienced developers. Um, I'm pretty sure I was one of those people. Yeah, you are (laughs) one of those like smart, experienced web developers um, and JavaScript developers that are like, it, like I tried D3 a little bit, but like, you know, there was a bit of a learning curve and I didn't know how to go forward and I just couldn't pick it up, mm. um, which really surprised me um, because I'm more used to, um, I, I do, I teach some classes and I teach some workshops and I'm, I'm used to teaching non-developers and I'm used to teaching like um, data scientists or designers that want to get into data visualization. So I kind of just naturally assume that people that are doing um, that, you know, coders will be like, will be able to get D3 right away. And so that's that's kind of the the um that's kind of the takeaway I had from React Rally that really surprised me. And so I've been really thinking about that since. Like what makes D3 um what are struggles with D3 that web developers have? And why do I find React to make like why why does React um ease that struggle from like yeah, like how does React help ease that struggle? And kind of the thing, the kind of conclusion I arrived at is, well, if we kind of think about what people struggle with with D3, it's the, um, oftentimes it's the data binding and the enter update exit pattern. Um, and that one, that's how, um, in, in D3, that's how we think about um, if we have, you know, this data that's drawn on the screen, and then we get, say, a new set of data that needs to um, update what's drawn on the screen, um, we think about, well, what are the data elements that need to be created? What are the data elements that need to be removed? And what are the data elements that remain on the screen that need to be updated? So that's the enter, update, exit pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how kind of D3 is like that whole core part of D3 is structured around. Um, and that's the kind of part that's a little bit unintuitive for a lot of people. But if you think about it, um, that's actually exactly what React does under the hood for us when we write that render code. Mm -hmm. Um, and it actually was, um, it was really cool because back in 2014, when I was first starting to learn React and I kind of read into how the virtual DOM worked and how that DOM tree diffing worked. And it actually works pretty much um, in terms of theoretically, it works exactly the same as enter update exit pattern. And so 
with re like whereas with D3, we have to take care of updating the DOM ourselves, and thus it's more error prone. With React, it takes care of it under the hood for us, so we don't have to. Um, and that's the really key point. So um, one of the things I mentioned in the um, talk last year is like, well, one of the approaches we can have is having React do the rendering, all of the rendering, and have D3 do the calculations. Um, the kind of the part of the D3 library that it's very uniquely good at, which is like things like um, calculating the layout of, you know, a tree or a network diagram or a bar chart or, um, and so having D3 take care of that part and then having React render the actual like SVG paths and SVG circles mm -hmm. or rectangles, et cetera. Um, and so this time around, what I want to show um, with the React Rally talk for this year is like how easy it is to get into data visualization as a React developer. Because React already has the enter, exit, update, um, exit cycles already there for you, right? So those yes. are already figured out. Yeah. Yes, precisely. So this is something that's really interesting for me because um, I was actually, uh, when we were sitting there for your talk, uh, it, I was actually sitting next to, to to Ryan Florence, and both of us had our jaws on the floor. We're like this <laughs> is amazing. Um, your visualization visualizations were incredible, and the examples were all um, amazing. And uh, one of the uh, one of the and we'll we'll link to some of those examples um, in the notes. But um, one of the things that that both Ryan and I kind of said immediately is is that even if we knew how to code it, um, like thinking that up dreaming that up so like one of them was kind of like flowers for kind of um, a rating system if i remember correctly yeah it was for for movies yeah yeah for movies and um and then another one was this just insane thing that converted everything every line of um insane in a good way not 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 in a crazy way <laughs> it <was> um, insane. <laughs> insane is in like an undertaking that i would never even think about um is taking all of the lines from uh hamilton and mm -hmm. representing them in different ways and tying them together by um, the person singing and the relationships and whatnot um so one of my questions is is how do you uh like where do you start in in thinking about this? Not so much from a technical standpoint, but from that um, from that creative standpoint. Like, where's the what's the first step for you when you think, you know, what I'd like to vi visualize X? Um, kind of from that that point, like, how do you explore? How do you um, like? Where do you steal ideas from, et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really really great point. Um, so. Um, one of the things that kind of, and, and um, one of the things I mentioned offline is I've been developing two workshops for front-end masters. One that's um, a workshop for data visualization for React developers. So kind of like a deep dive into how can you build full-on, um, like full-on interactive um, visualizations with just React um, doing the rendering and we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of D3. But the other one that I'm equally excited about is called Building Custom Data Visualizations. Oh. And it and my hope is to be able to break down that process and try and, um, I mean, obviously I can't teach a creative process, sure. but kind of really being thoughtful about um 
how we approach it all. And um, I've been doing a lot of research for it recently. And I think the breakdown is, first of all, we need to go out and get the data. So first of all, um, it always, for me, starts with a curiosity, um, a curiosity about the world that I want answers to. So for the Hamilton one, that was a, I was really obsessed with the musical. <laughs> and, then, um, I, um, and then we started to notice that there was a lot of kind of literary themes. There was, it, there was a lot of um, phrases that were repeated and that meant something I mean, important to the overall musical. And I wanted to, I wanted to understand them better. So that was the curiosity. And then because I had the curiosity, I had these questions um, that I wanted to answer. And so I w- went out and got the data for it. And in that particular case, it meant a lot of manual entry and creating the data myself. But once I have the data, then it's kind of um, exploring that data. And so when I explore that data, it has to do with, um, you know, taking that question and kind of trying out a lot of different simple um, charts, different visualizations um, to kind of see if there's any trends, any interesting insights, any patterns. Once I find an interesting pattern that I think I can build a whole story around, um, that's when I kind of start thinking about, well, what's the best way to represent this data? Um, And that's when kind of, um, there's a lot of kind of like data visualization, like information design theory, and um, like, you know, communication theory that, um, or communication principles, and all of that, that kind of of comes into this, that's really interesting. Um, And so kind of thinking about yeah, and that's that's the design part, and then finally going from that design part. And my favorite part um, is going from that design part and thinking about how to um, how to code that, how to break down each of those parts to code it. Um, and so that coding part is kind of like the puzzle that I really love doing. And I think the create the what, what you said about creating things that. Um, um, I think people don't usually see. I think it has a lot to do with um, starting from starting and concentrating on the data rather than starting and concentrating on a chart or a visualization mm. like an end form. That's that's really fascinating because I think a lot of times we think about them the opposite way, or at least in my experience, it, maybe I'll get a. Uh, you know, a card in Trello that's like, hey, put a bar chart here that shows mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Um, but you're saying that oftentimes we don't know what the best visualization is yes. until we are we know more about the data that we have. Yeah. Um, and um, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of what I want to get across with these workshops and these talks is um, kind of taking a step back and asking ourselves, even if we get that card in Trello that's like build a bar chart well like what is that bar chart for what is that data for like what are we trying to communicate who's our end audience and there's a lot of um it's interesting because there's a lot of conversation going on in the data visualization communities that's um data visualization isn't as much an engineering problem as it is a design problem and I think for us as engineers, that's actually the really easy part because it's just a puzzle to solve. I totally agree. I've I've actually been thinking for a very 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 long time about some uh, about some visualizations that I would like to do, 
Um, mm-hmm. there, you know, I should probably just, I should probably just do some really basic like lines or bars, but, um, for, for, <laughs> for statistics on unpackage.com. So it's this mm-hmm. uh, CDN, uh, website that I, that I run that gets, uh, you know, gets a lot of traffic coming through there. And so I, I'm thinking about, okay, so what are the kinds of, um, you know, what are the, first of all, what's interesting about this data, right? Like mm-hmm. what are the, cause, cause there's a mountain of data. So what's, what are the interesting pieces of it? And then what's the best, uh, the best way to display it? Like I said, I should probably just use some really basic lines or, or bars or something, but I, I keep wanting to do something more, something more interesting, I guess, something prettier. Well, <laughs> so, um, well, first of all, thank you so much for unpackage because, um, I use that all the time and it's so great. Oh, cool. Um, I had no but, idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I use it a lot for my explorations when I just, um, I, I, when I, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's just exploration, quick explorations where I don't want to do a whole build system. So, um, thank you so much for that. Um, but second of all, um, when you have a lot of data, um, and you don't quite know where to start, um, it's always, always really great to kind of just, um, first of all, it helps me a lot when I list out the uh, the metadata, the attributes of the data. So like for Unpackage, I would imagine you have a lot of information about, um, you know, traffic about um, when people are visiting. Um, maybe you have some information about um, where they're visiting from, which or like where where the, they're coming from and what packages they're requesting, et cetera. So kind of like, First of all, writing out all of the facets of the data that you have, and and once you have see that in front of you, um, it 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 starts to spark some questions, and then and then you kind of can and can ask yourself, well, what's the thing that I want to know the most about? Like, what's the most helpful for me? And maybe for you, that's like um, knowing when people come, like, are requesting the most, so that you can I don't know, um, like do yeah, Some sort so, of scaling um, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Scaling yeah. better or, um, and so if that's your question, then, um, there's actually, um, uh, there's actually tools online that will help you kind of put together really simple charts, um, simple like line charts and bar charts and all of that, um, to plug your data into so that you can see if there's any trends. Um, and, um, and then, so, uh, and, and then there's like all these, uh, about when to use what charts, like line charts are for time series data, bar charts are for, you know, if you have a categorical something that, um, you want to see the quantitative values for, et cetera. Um, and so kind of mapping those, and then maybe that's where that's all you need. And that's where you stop because you're like, um, oh, these answer my questions. If you want to get a step further and kind of present that to an audience, that's when you can start thinking about like, well, um, all of these charts that I've plugged my data into, what are the things that I'm getting out of it? And what are, how can I map my data to visual encodings that will help tell my audience what I want to communicate to them? You know, it was funny, uh, recently, I don't know if you noticed this, but the, uh, the view JavaScript library surpassed mm-hmm. react in, oh. in github star count which is a very important metric 
Uh, oh my God, I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, it happened like two weeks ago or something. It did, Dan, it uh, did. Dan Abramov was tweeting about it. He's like, look at this. View is more popular than React, at least in terms of GitHub stars. I think they both crossed over 100,000 like in the same hour, which was crazy. But View <laughs> oh, did it wow. first. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, definitely in the same day, but it was really, it was really crazy how close they crossed over 100,000. Yeah, it was a lot of drama. It was a lot of drama. There was a. The, it was a lot of drama. The, uh, the, I think the React team actually sent the View team a cake. I think I saw a picture yes, of a cake saw with that like too. a. I was like, okay, all right. Um, oh, that's so yeah, cute. no, it was totally cute. It was totally cute. Um, and uh, but what was funny with regard as it relates to this discussion is, uh, <laughs> I had a I had a few people from the React team asking me about like stats. You know, like it, it was just funny because they were like, well, how many times is React downloaded from Unpackage versus oh. versus View? And like, where are the downloads coming from? <laughs> and I, oh my I, God, I'm such a mess. I'm such a disorganized like mess that I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, so I, I need to get my act together with uh, with Unpackage stats and like figure out how to present all this information. So there might, there might be all of this just to say there may be, uh, an interesting collaboration in the future. Yeah, it oh, sounds. Yeah, that'd be really great. It sounds like you need to uh, you need to have um, Shirley consult with you. So that actually <laughs> is an interesting segue. Um, so Shirley, you you teach these classes on front end masters, um, and then also mm-hmm. you have these um, projects like data sketches. Um, you're doing the talks. You have these um, projects that you have demonstrated in your talks. How are you employed? Oh yeah, so I'm I'm independent. I'm currently independent, and I'm um, I'm self-employed. And I work with, um, actually, I work with a lot of different companies um, across a lot of different industries. Which is, I sometimes I wake up and I'm like, wow, I'm fucking lucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> because when I first quit my full-time job to do um, to be to go independent. Um, my, one of my goals was that I wanted to, um, try out projects from a lot of different industries with a lot of different problems and to see kind of like what meshes with me the best. So, um, yeah, so I get to work with like a lot of journalism, media companies, cause they, they, they oftentimes want to, want to do data storytelling. Mm. I have a really cool project right now, um, that I'm working on with Nadia actually for a, uh, satellite imaging company and kind of telling the story about how they have the biggest collection of, yeah, satellite images in the world. Um, that's such a super interesting, oh, wow. uh, yeah, super amazing. interesting data set. Yeah. They're so cool. Um, and then I'm finishing up something for SF MoMA and that one's more data art. Um, so that's how I feed myself. Wow. So so there's probably a lot of opportunity now, especially now that news organizations and um, uh, magazines, uh, online magazines, et cetera, are doing more visual storytelling. Do you feel like this mm-hmm. is there's like a lot of opportunity out there right now? Yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that there's definitely a lot more um, emphasis and importance placed on data and what we can get out of data and being able to tell those stories in a more visual, um, intuitive way. So in that sense, I think there's a lot more opportunity. Um, no, in the sense that it's not as many opportunities for freelancers. Oh, Oftentimes, 
Yeah, oftentimes um, these news organizations or even these tech companies that also have a lot of data internally would prefer to, you know, keep that work internal mm-hmm. um, and hire full-time employees. Sure. Um, so there's a little bit of tension there, um, but I'm happy with with the people that find me and, and give me the interesting opportunities and projects that they give me. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, we should probably just about wrap it up, but I like to always finish uh, every podcast episode with uh, this question, and that is whose work you, Shirley Wu, are currently excited about or what projects you're currently stoked on, and uh, and maybe you know help us know a little bit about you know who you're following and what you're interested in, or if you just want to give a shout out to somebody for, you know, maybe they helped out on one of your recent uh, efforts or something, that would be awesome. Um, or, or if you want to recommend somebody that we should have here on the show, uh, basically anything like that. Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, so many people and so many projects. And um, so I'll start with the most relevant and go um, increasingly least relevant. Um, <laughs> so the most relevant is obviously um, in the realm of React and with D3. And so I mentioned earlier offline about Elijah Meeks um, and um, the uh, library he put out last year called Semiotics. And that one is, um, I talk a lot about using just raw React and raw D3 together and building out custom visualizations um, uh, myself. But um, the thing that uh, I really, really like about Semiotics, and disclaimer, I still haven't really used it, but I've, I've kind of read up on the philosophy behind it, um, is kind of a an approach that makes uh, rapid prototyping a lot easier in um, more enterprise companies where um, they're trying to solve uh, questions like, um, so Elijah works at Netflix. So they're trying to kind of solve questions about, you know, where are their um, customers coming from? What kind of things are they watching, et cetera. And then um, being able to create kind of dashboardy explorations of the data, um, but being able to rapidly prototype the visualizations to kind of arrive at a, um, at a dashboard that works for their consumers. Um, and so that one is a little bit, it's, it's kind of a little bit on the opposite spectrum of what I do. I do a lot more of the kind of data storytelling, whereas they do a lot more of like interfacing with a client that has specific questions, exploratory questions, um, and they want to explore it themselves. And so how do you build out visualizations for that? Um, so, um, Elijah and, um, and his teammate Susie Liu over at Netflix. Um, I really love the work that they're doing. Um, and so that's the that's the kind of visualizations for product. Um, and then on the um, more kind of data storytelling side, um, I actually was talking to my friend um, RJ Andrews earlier. He's info we trust on. Twitter, and he's been writing this book that kind of takes a step back and takes um, a look at um, what does data visualizations mean? What does um, storytelling mean? Um, what are we trying to do with um, visualizations? And what we're trying to do is inform people mm-hmm. um, about certain data sets um, and elevate their understanding about certain data and, and 
essentially about the world. So he's been working on this book um, that I kind of got to talk to him about earlier, and I'm really excited about that. I, I love the uh, I love the handle. He also runs InfoWeTrust.com. I think that's, yeah. I think that's such a, I mean, it, it says it all. It's so important to know, like, I mean, there's so much stuff that gets published and, uh, yes. it's just hard to know what to trust. And it's, it's good to know. Yeah. I think it's good to educate people about, you know, actually digging into the data for themselves and understanding the data for themselves and drawing conclusions for themselves instead of, uh, wasn't it, wasn't it Kanye West who said where we live in like this soundbite culture Mm. Where it's just like, you know, mm. you see a little bleep here and a little bleep there and you think you understand what it's about, but, but, uh, digging into the data and actually finding out, uh, is really important. So that's a really, yeah. The whole context. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's a really great summary of it. Um, and then the kind of least, I guess, relevant to our conversation, but, um, I absolutely love still, um, I've been, getting more and more into generative art. Mm. I'm not, not as, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still not uh, working on it, but I love following people that do. And so within there, I really love the work of, uh, he's Matt Dezel on Twitter, Matt D-E-S-L. Um, and he puts out beautiful, like um, mostly WebGL, but like with other things too. Um, uh uh, work in generative art and um, kind of a lot of his peers that uh, that's really inspiring to me, the kind of the opposite end of just pure aesthetic art. Um, so I enjoy that very much. And um, oh, also, um, I uh, just got back from three months in Tokyo. Um, and that was kind of also um, getting to know a bit more about their tech and art scene about um, they do they they're, they actually did so much projection mapping and kind of like interactive, immersive experiences that they're like over that now. <laughs> they're like, yeah, that was like last decade. Like we're, we've moved on. Yeah, they're like, whatever. Like everybody can do that. And I'm like, like, no. You don't what? understand. In the US, people think I'm really special. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, what they're doing over there, over in Japan, um, I think the most famous one is um, a team lab and they do kind of these interactive immersive uh, projection mapping museum experiences mm. um, that I feel like I haven't really seen um, in other art museums around the world. So a lot of, yeah. a lot of uh, intersection between uh, technology and art, I think with what yes. you're doing and your, your work, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Shirley, for uh, joining us on the React podcast. And um, let's see, we will be back uh, again next week with another guest. I'm not going to tell you right now because I want to keep you all coming back, <laughs> keep you all interested in the podcast. But thank you so much, Shirley. And we will uh, hopefully, it won't be too long before we get to talk to you again. 